0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 113 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Buchatz, and this is the show for January 2023. It is a solo show this month, largely because this is my third podcast in three days, and while I did sort of kind of put out a call for a panel, I didn't really have the energy to put a lot of effort into wrangling one together, and then it sort of dawned on me that if I don't actually get a panel, then I can be way more flexible with my recording time, so I just decided to do a solo show. I did one once before, it wasn't a disaster, so uh, let's hope it's not a disaster this time, or I won't do it again, I guess. Anyway, let us start with some updates and follow-up on long-running stories we have covered before on the show. So, last time we spoke, Apple had announced a whole bunch of cool new security enhancements for uh, iCloud, etc., and... They were promised at various times throughout the the end of 2022 and the start of 2023 and beyond. And that has continued as expected. You can now, if you choose, uh, enable physical FIDO security tokens as your second factor on your iCloud. There are many caveats. Uh, This is a feature that is aimed at people in particular danger, a particular risk. And for those kind of people, inconveniences, et cetera, are acceptable. So I would say don't just rush to turn this on. You can read details of how you would do so in the Mac security blog. And there's also a list in the show notes of the five best hardware keys you could buy if you do choose to go ahead. But like I say, it, there are caveats and it's not really intended that everyone would do this. We've also talked a lot in recent months about Apple's crash detection feature continuing to cause issues, particularly as the skiing season has picked up. And I am sorry to say that is continuing. Minnesota is now complaining they're having a lot of problems. Um, Apple is proactively seeking feedback from 911 dispatches in the United States. And then later in the month, we ended up with some news reports from Japan where the skiing season is also kicking off. And they too were having a lot of false positives from the Apple Watch. I'm not entirely sure how Apple's going to deal with this, but they're going to have to do something because it's soon going to get to be the case where emergency responders stop responding, and then people are going to die needlessly. We you know I can't become the boy who cried wolf or you know the watch who cried wolf. so I am very curious to see what happens with the feedback from 911 dispatchers i I hope Apple can pull the iron out of the fire on this one. Apple's shareholder meeting is coming up shortly, uh, 10th of March, in fact, so mind the date. And in preparation for that, they are finishing off their to-do list from the previous meeting. I feel like myself with my work hat on. I often end up doing that. You know, I have a, a bi-weekly meeting and all of a sudden on day 13, I suddenly end up doing all of my tasks. Well, Apple seem to have a similar approach. Um, so they're from last year's annual shareholder meeting, they were under some obligations to do various things. Um One of the things that came under pressure was to be more transparent about App Store rejections. And that is going ahead. They have announced details, but basically they will be telling us more in the future. So we look forward to seeing that in future. They also held a consultation process with shareholders about executive pay. And uh, the end result is that Tim Cook has asked that his own pay be cut by 40%. So he will only be paid about $49 million this year. So poor Tim. $49 Forty nine million dollars allowed to make you anyway. Like I say, the next meeting is on March tenth, and in a related story, there was—I don't believe that it actually passed last year, but Apple came under a lot of pressure about their hiring, labor practices, and so forth. So they have agreed um, to. Basically, have an audit of their labor practices. So that seems to me like they're they're doing something to smooth the path of the next investor meeting, as opposed to something they had to do from the last one. On a somewhat related note, then uh, the National Labor Relations Board the NLRB in the United States has found merit to charge, alleging statements and conduct by Apple, including high level executives, violated the National Labor Restrictions Relations Act. The NLRB are an organisation who, if you read how they do their thing, they are they aim to mediate as much as they can. So they they're they're not immediately a you know slap on a fine sort of an organisation. They're intended you know they're a labour relations board, so they try to work things out. So they're now going to try to work things out between Apple and Apple's staff to figure out how to get Apple back into compliance uh, since they have decided that they are not in compliance. If those negotiations go well, then Apple will end up in a situation everyone's happy with. And if it goes badly, then we move on to punitive measures. So we shall see how that you know, continues. Uh, we've also talked a fair bit in recent episodes about Apple's success with European content on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, Well, Apple have decided that they want to do more of that. They are expanding their European production teams, so that should be good. Uh, We've also talked a lot about Apple continuing to diversify their supply chains, and we learned this month that uh, Apple is going to start making AirPods components in India. And finally, it feels like a story we've talked about forever, never, 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 never. I mean, Apple literally started manufacturing phones in India to make this possible. But it would appear that the first actual Apple, Apple store in India is getting closer because Apple have started hiring for this store. So maybe it'll finally come into being. Moving on then to regulatory rundown. Brazil, still cranky at Apple. One of their watchdogs has started an investigation over the App Store payment rules. So stay tuned for that one. Meanwhile, in Europe, Spotify have written an open letter to the European Commission demanding swift action against Apple. They say, yay, look, you guys in the Commission found that Apple was probably in violation, but you haven't done anything. Do something. So we shall see. Um, A report from the United States National Telecommunications and Information Administration, who I'd never heard of before, but they are apparently called NTIA. Uh, they have found that Apple and Google's App Store policies are, quote, harmful to consumers and developers. This is this wasn't some sort of judgment. They were asked to write a report uh, to feed back into the executive branch. They have made their report. It has been fed back to the executive branch. So I imagine that is going to feed into various calls for action from said executive branch. We shall see. The US Federal Reserve has started to investigate Goldman Sachs, who are the provider of uh, the Apple Card, the Apple credit cards. Uh, they're not entirely sure that there are sufficient consumer protections being offered by Goldman Sachs to their customers, so they are investigating. Uh, and then related to all of this regulatory stuff, is certainly I, I certainly think it's related. Uh, Apple have hit a new record high for lobbying in 2022, but they're still not doing it as much as others. So in 2022, they spent 44% more on lobbying than they did in 2021, a whopping $9.4 million. Although I guess when you make as much money as Apple, 9400000 million isn't that much for a whole year, really, is it? Uh, if you're wondering how to put that into context, uh, $9.8 million is what Microsoft spent and $10.9 million is what Google spent. So moving on to legal latest, Um, the long-running Massimo case against Apple over uh, pulse oximetry patents um, has developed. A US administrative law judge in Washington DC has ruled that Apple do in fact infringe on Massimo's patent. So Apple, needless to say, respectfully disagreed with the court's finding. Regardless, it is now off to the US International Trade Commission, ITC, and they need to figure out what to do. So the court basically decided, yeah, they, they are breaching the patent. Now the ITC had to figure out what to do about that. And I'm not entirely sure if Apple get to say, no, 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 Mr. Court. We really don't think we did violate that. So we shall see what happens at the ITC. Um, A somewhat of a zombie case, Caltech versus Broadcom and Apple. This has been going on forever and ever Uh, Next summer, uh, the case is coming back to trial because where last we left our story, the original judgment, the original damages had been overturned by a higher court and it had been told that they have to do a retrial for damages. But in a retrial for damages, you're not allowed to relitigate the case. You're just relitigating how much damages should be paid. And Apple have been arguing all along that the actual patent at the heart of all of this should be, you know, is invalid in Apple's mind but they're being prevented from making the case that the patent is invalid because it's only for damages. So Apple are asking the Supreme Court to step in and allow them to make the argument that the patent's invalid. And the Supreme Court have now reached out to the executive branch, specifically to the Solicitor General of the United States, asking for input from the Solicitor General before they decide to rule on whether or not Apple can raise the question of whether or not the patent is valid. Meanwhile, we are definitely all heading off to court again in July in order to have a retrial for damages. So fun. Meanwhile, I'd like to end this legal latest section on a happy story. So I have been very cranky over the years about people, countries being really daft about so-called battery gate. And I'm happy to say that the South Koreans are not really stupid. They're, in fact, very clever. They have rejected and thrown out such a court case because what Apple did was in order to extend the life of their phones they throttled back the CPU whenever the battery came under stress. And this meant that instead of the phone collapsing in a heap, it would continue to run even though the battery was in bits. So this is how you make a phone last longer. Somehow, some countries decided that by throttling the CPU, Apple were preemptively obsoleting the phone, and therefore they were being evil people forcing people to buy new phones. Whereas what they're actually doing was the opposite, preventing waste. Always made a head explode that countries went... You know, bass backwards on this. I'm glad to see a country not get it wrong. So well done, South Korea. I have actually put a little party popper emoji in the show notes. Moving on to Apple HR and acquisition news. Uh, Services VP Peter Stern is leaving Apple after six years. He was apparently seen as a possible successor to ADQ, so this seems like a big loss to Apple. He also played a big part in Apple TV Plus' various negotiations on sports deals and stuff, so definitely does sound significant. Very much in related news then. Um, Apple Music Chief Oliver Schauser will help lead Apple TV+. Plus. Basically, he's already the VP for Apple Music and Beats. And he is going to step in and take over some of the responsibilities Peter Stern had in Apple TV+. Plus. I don't know if he gets to have a new title, but he certainly gets to have extra work. So um, I guess that's a promotion if you want the work. We shall see. Uh, meanwhile, Jeff Williams has apparently, this is a report, um, taken control of the d- industrial design team. So when Johnny Johnny Ive used to be head of design, that was, that was his job at Apple. And when he left, uh, Evans Hankey took over. But we've known for some time that Evans Hankey is planning to leave Apple. Um, and we've wondered who would take over as the new head of design. Well, the answer appears to be no one or everyone. So this is not based on official statements from Apple. This is based from, you know, people who know things saying things. But apparently Jeff Williams is going to take over responsibility for the design team. But he's not going to be head of design. Instead, the design team are all going to report to him. And some of the people who've been there the longest will run like little focus groups or committees or whatever to get stuff done. So it sounds like it's going to be a more organic, less centralized operation We shall see what happens. Or we probably won't. Um, And hopefully, we won't notice because Apple's products will continue to be amazing. That that will be nice. Moving on to services and original content highlights. uh, Sorry, original content highlights. Apple Fitness Plus is adding kickboxing, uh, a Beyonce artist artist spotlight, and more. So if you're into Apple Fitness Plus, you get some new shiny stuff in January, which is probably a good time for Apple Fitness Plus with all those New Year's resolutions doing the rounds. Apple Podcast is also getting a new feature that has been much awaited by people who produce paid for podcasts. It's called Delegated Delivery. And at the moment, if you want to do a subscription based podcast on multiple services, Because I think people sort of realize that you can't expect a podcast to pull people into one ecosystem over another. So if you want to do paid podcasts, you kind of have to make your paid podcast available on all the platforms. And there were tools available that would get you to all but one uh, well, you can now have that but one go away with delegated delivery where you can primarily host your content on one platform and have Apple pull the stuff from that other platform into Apple podcasts and then have subscriptions charged, etc., to the various people who subscribed. This will just make life easier for for you know subscription podcasts, for money podcasts and that. It's making it easier and it's stopping the balkanization that I was a little bit worried about. So that I think it's probably a very good thing all in all. Uh, both Apple Music and Apple TV apps are now available in preview for Windows 11. So the big monolithic iTunes on the Windows end appears to be on its way to being broken up. It's a preview release and it's Windows 11 only, so iTunes still exists for now. But the future would appear to be separate Apple Music and Apple TV apps on the Windows end, like we've had on Mac and iOS and Apple TV, etc, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. So that seems like a positive development to me. <clears throat> Apple TV Plus did get a nomination for the Oscars. It was not for the much anticipated film An- Emancipation um, with Will Smith. Probably something to do with slapping people. Um, You know, the Oscars has always been a little bit more political than I think it should be, and I don't think they wanted to honour. I just think they're like, yeah, let's not do that. So what did get an Oscar nomination for Apple? Well, it was a short film called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, which is apparently Christmas themed. I'll be honest, I haven't watched it, but I might do if it does well at the Oscars. And then finally, wrapping up our Apple services and original content highlights, if you would like to access more of Apple's original content on more televisions, good news. LG have released an update to um, WebOS, which is software driving both TVs with LG's brand and many, many other TVs with lots of other brands that are using LG's brains. Uh, This will bring Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Music, AirPlay, and the Home app to lots and lots and lots of different televisions from lots of different brands. So that's an over-the-air update, bringing extra smarts to many, many tellies, which is good. Okay, we actually have five main stories this month. And that's another reason, actually, why I'm kind of happy. Not happy, that's the wrong word. Where I'm not bothered by the fact that I don't have a panel because five stories is a lot when you have multiple people. So story number one is going to be Apple launching an AI-based service for book authors to have their audiobooks, sorry, their books automatically turned to audiobooks. Story 2 is going to be some nice improvements to Apple Maps. Story 3 is going to be some very shiny M2-based new hardware. Story 4 is the resurrection of the much-beloved full-size HomePod. And then we wrap up the month with Apple's Q1 2023 earnings call. So, let's get stuck into main story number the first. AI narration for some audiobook. Now, Apple are rolling this out somewhat tentatively and they're marketing it to book authors. They're basically saying, if you can't afford to get a bells and whistles audiobook, we will make one for you, assuming your book falls into this small list of supporter genres, which I imagine will grow. Um, and the nice thing actually is that Apple are not forcing the authors to sign away the audiobook rights to do this. It's basically, it's not the author can sell the audiobook rights to someone else and make use of this feature on Apple Books. And so that, that's kind of nice. The other thing is, if you want to see what it's like, I say see, if you want to hear what it's like, Apple will be clearly labeling these books as narrated by Apple Books. So, And there are some already in the store. So if you would like a listen of what Apple's AI-based automatic audiobooking is like, then look for anything in the Apple Books or narrated by Apple Books and away you go that, uh, If we had a panel there'd probably be a lot of discussion about this But I have to say that if Apple had done this in such a way that you would be giving up your rights I'd probably be cranky if Apple were doing this in such a way that they were pitching this as an alternative to proper audiobooks I'd probably be quite cranky because I I don't, I don't like reading. I really, I really don't like reading. But I like written content. I really admire wordsmithing. So I love the written word. I'm just, I, whether it's a slight dyslexia I've had since I kid or whatever, I just don't enjoy the act of reading. I want, you know, I want someone else to read it to me. I, I love audiobooks, and it's pleasing to me that when Apple are pitching this to authors, they're pitching it as a way to, for those of you who cannot. Yet a proper audiobook, we have this offering instead. And they're in no way pitching this as a replacement for proper audiobook. And I think for technical books in particular, I would have no objection to having the book read by AI. But for a book I care about, I will continue to want real audiobooks. There is, there is something to be said for someone who really knows what they're doing reading an audiobook. And also, actually, I really enjoy it when the author reads part of the book. So Philip Pullman is the voice of the narrator in the audiobooks for His Dark Materials. And, you know, they have actors for all the other characters, but the author Pullman is the voice of the narrator, which means all the pronunciations are absolutely perfect. And the tone and everything is just the way Philip Pullman wanted it. It's just, you know, he wrote the book. So having him narrated is just perfect, in my opinion. So anyway, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, and therefore you might imagine I might be cranky about this but i really really am and i think this is a nice way of getting more more books available without people having to read this is obviously an accessibility feature because this ai is going to be better than having s lady read it out to you right this is this is a higher quality of ai so on the whole i think apple are doing this right but i have no doubt that there is much crankitude out there on the internet Or indeed among you guys. For all I know, you think I'm absolutely nuts and you're entirely welcome to that opinion. Like I can say, was was a panel, I imagine this one would have gone on a bit longer. But since it's just me, I've given you my two cents and uh, there's no one here to argue with me. So I shall move on. Main story number two. Apple enhances Apple Maps. Now, the, the first of the two enhancements is very North America-centric and not even all of North America. So... Sorry, Mexico, you don't get to play, but the United States and Canada get to play. There is apparently, since I don't live there, I don't know about this, but there's apparently a service called Spot Hero, which helps you find parking spots, hence the name Spot Hero. And Apple have integrated Spot Hero into Apple Maps. So there are now over 8,000 places in the US and Canada where you can get Spot Hero data in your Apple Maps. So I'm hoping that makes some people's commutes that little bit easier. What's, I think, probably the bigger story of the two is that Apple have launched a new service called Apple Business Connect, which is a way for business owners to submit information about their various locations to Apple Maps so that they can then have their opening hours and their you know, title and description, all that kind of stuff, appear on the entry for their business in Apple Maps. And that just seems like a fantastic thing. Again, it's, it's kind of Apple competing with, with Google and Yelp and so forth. But at the same time, I kind of think that's what you want, right? You want, if, I'm a, if I were a business owner, I would just want to tell Apple what to put on Maps. I wouldn't want to have a third party involved. I would just want to tell Apple, please place on your Maps this information. Bada bing, bada boom, job, jobs are good. Also, as a user of Apple Maps, I kind of like the idea that there's no, there's no middle people stuck in between. No middle people who need to be paid through privacy invasion, right? Because you end up with all these perverse incentives going on if you have other companies in the middle. You simply have people who want to tell you what the state of play is with their business, telling Apple who want to tell their users what's available in their nearby areas. There are no perverse incentives. There is no incentive to breach anyone's privacy everything lines up just right. So it's a way of having really good information as easily as possible and no one's privacy being jeopardized. So again, I am completely in favor of these changes. And it's it's nice to see Apple continuing to slowly, slowly ratchet Apple Maps forward. It really has gone from a complete and utter joke, as it was on the day it launched, to being, in my opinion, an extremely robust Maps app. And it is hands down my favorite Maps app. I do not use google maps anymore not since they tried to send me to the ambassador's house instead of the embassy last time i needed my passport renewed that was that was the last straw and the more i learn about google's privacy and the fact that they have now made it so that if you use apple maps it's the same cookie as apple's uh, sorry if you use google maps they've now moved it off its own subdomain so that the cookie is actually the cookie for all of google services they're just they're just continuing to violate privacy because their business model model requires it so of course they do Anyway, good to see Apple continue to compete. Yeah, actually, when you don't have a panel, you really do get through stuff a lot more quickly because there might be some discussion on this. But yeah, well, there it is. Apple continue to compete with Google effectively. So, main story number three: the Chinese. Um, Apple have released two better, to to enhance, two. two, enhanced, two super-duper versions of their M2 processor and some computers to put said processors in. Or Apple have released two new new computers with shiny new processors on the inside. Take your pick, whichever way around you want to say that. Anyway, there now exists an M2 Pro and an M2 Pro Max. Uh, And to match them, there are a collection of new computers, specifically new Mac Minis and new MacBook Pros. Apple actually did and released an event video, even though they didn't have an event. And some people noticed some URL slugs had like 2022 dates. It looks like there was supposed to be an autumn event that never happened and this was supposed to be part of it. But anyway, Apple released a video. You you can see real professionals making amazing use of these laptops. And in fact, the, the Mac minis also really, really shine. And you can see Apple explain how... Basically, more the M2 Pro and the M2 Max, they have much faster access to the shared memory. They can hold more of the shared memory and they have more cores. So they can more efficiently move more data between more CPUs. They're just faster. So it's not that they are a different brain. They're just a more... They just have more of what the M2 has. So it's not a rethinking; it's just to do it better, do it faster, do it more. Add a few extra cylinders into the engine. Don't redesign the engine. It, and they look, as best as I can tell, like really quite impressive processors. And the thing to bear in mind is that it, it becomes ever more clear to me as I look at this M series of processors. Our old world of thinking that your computer has three distinct things: a CPU and RAM and a graphics card, and then a motherboard to sort of link them all together. That is just not how these M-series processors work. It's all on the die. And if you, so it's all on the chip. It's all it's called an SOC, a system on a chip, right? Everything is on the chip. So the, the job of the motherboard has kind of been replaced by the chip itself. And that means that you don't have to have graphics RAM sitting in the graphics card, and, you know, caches on the CPU, but most of the memory being completely separate and having these, you know, slow buses connecting the memory to the CPU. It's, the memory is on the chip, along with the graphics processors, along with the regular processors, along with the machine learning processors, along, you know, it's all, all together. And so the memory is shared. That's why Apple called it a shared memory architecture. So eight gigs of shared RAM is way more efficient than, you know, 8 gigs of RAM here and then some more gigs of RAM in the graphics card. So it's very difficult to compare apples and oranges. It's such a different architecture. So when you're used to saying, oh, but I've always needed 32 gigs of RAM on my Windows PC and now Apple are only selling me 16 gigs, this is going to be disaster. No, it almost certainly isn't because it's a different way of computing. When you completely change the architecture, you have to recontextualize the numbers. Sixteen gigs of RAM on a traditional PC is not the same as sixteen gigs of RAM on an M2. It's just not you just cannot compare them. To use a terrible cliche, apples and oranges, yadda 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 yadda. And that is interesting because I think that explains why there is no M2 based or M anything based Mac Pro yet. Because that's a machine that's all about great and expandability. And that seems Very, very at odds with how the M-series processors actually work at a fundamental level. I don't know how Apple are going to square that circle. I don't know how Apple are going to make an upgradable, expandable, SoC-based computer. But that is now the only Intel computer Apple sell. As as of this lot of announcements, there are no more Intel-based MacBooks. There are no more Intel-based iMacs. There never were any Intel-based Mac Pros. Sorry, Mac Studios. There are no Intel-based iMacs. The only Intel Mac left in existence is the Mac Pro. So, not sure about that. Anyway, the link in the show notes what the video. It's 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 a full-on Apple event video, um, it, in exactly the same style you're used to seeing it. You know, it, yeah, it's just it's just an event video. So, the first thing Apple did was they told us about the M2 Pro, and Pro is less than Mac. So, the order of things is M2. M2 Pro, then M2 Max. And we all imagine that someday in the future there might be an M2 Ultra. But as, uh, as of now, there isn't. So it's M2, M2 Pro, and M2 Max. And so the first computer they told us about is the updated Mac Mini because it has the M2 Pro. Not the Pro Max. Sorry, not the M2 Max, right? There is an M2-based new iMac and an M2 Pro-based UI Mac. There is no M2 Max-based UI Mac. They have also reduced the price for the entry-level model by $100. So we're back to 599 again as the price for the entry-level Mac Mini. And I have to say, for the first time in a very long time, I would feel entirely comfortable recommending an entry-level Mac Mini to friends and family. I think it's all of the computer most regular folk need you already have a screen you like and a keyboard you like and a mouse or trackpad you like, then that little iMac for 599 is a heckin' lot of computer for your money. And the base model looks absolutely fine to me. That is a wonderful luxury to be in because for a long time I've been saying, yeah, pretend the second model up is the first model iMac. And yes, I know that means the starting price is like nearly $800. Yeah. And you don't get a screen. But this is just a much better proposition. And, you know, even someone like me who's a sysadmin who you might think of as a power user, the, this is all the computer I would need with my work hat on. Um, Because, again, I'm connected to remote computers doing a lot of the stuff. So I, I think it's a fabulous new machine. And with the M2 Pro, you're not going to get the same performance as you get from an Apple Studio with an M1 Ultra. What you're getting a lot of performance, which is why I'm slightly surprised they haven't given it the moniker Pro and the space grey colour. You can only have your Mac Mini in silver, even if you stick an M2 Pro chip in it. They don't call it the Mac Mini Pro, it's just the Mac Mini with an M2 Pro chip, and it's not in space grey. And uh, there are lots of links in the show notes to the various comparisons and things. The benchmarks are basically finding that the M2 Pro is a big improvement over the M1 Max. So the M2 Pro is better than the M1 Max, but it's not better than the M1 Ultra. But that's not entirely surprising. The M1 Ultra is an astonishing chip. Then Apple moved on to tell us that, oh yeah, we're not just doing new Mac Minis, we're also doing new MacBook Pros, 14-inch and 16-inch models. And yes, you can have your new 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros with the new M2 Pro, but we also have a second new CPU, the M2 Max, and you can have that in these machines. And again, it's more, it's it's double the memory throughput. So these machines are just better at moving more data more quickly between the various components on the CPU, and there are more components, there are more of the various cores. So it's more information being moved around more efficiently, to more components for your money. Again, very impressive machines. Um, in this case, the price stays the same. So you get to have the same price, the same hardware design, with just a better brain on the inside. And they were already amazing computers, and they are now continuing to be amazing computers. There, the entire line is also getting support for 8K video and Wi-Fi 6E. So that's a nice upgrade. And there is some kvetching on the internet about the um the entry-level Mac Mini and the entry-level MacBook Pro having slower SSDs than their predecessors. But slower doesn't mean too slow. It's it's all relative. It's all on a curve. So the reviewers are not saying that these things are any sort of terrible machine. They actually all seem to be good machines, but they're not as fast in that one aspect as the previous model. But the price stays the same when you get these amazing new M2 processors. And in the case of the Mac Mini, the price has dropped by $100. So, okay, you know. As I say, it's, I think these are really nice upgrades and it does leave us with just that one Intel Mac standing and that big question mark over it. I just, I can't imagine that to me, there is no logical way to do the Mac Pro, which mean, which may be why Apple are finding it so hard to get the thing released because we're now, you know, getting on for three years into a two year cycle or sorry, into a two year transition. I think it's because it's actually not obvious how you bring a machine about expandability into the world of system on a chips So we shall see. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, that's actually, there is a big downside, by the way, folks. If you're wondering, is it is it more stressful to record with the panel than on your own? When you record on your own, you don't get to take a break. And your voice really does start to suffer. I'm now starting to notice. But anyway, we are on story four of five. I shall soldier on. So... Let us move on to said story 405. Apple has introduced, much to everyone's surprise, a new full-size grown-up home pod. And in fact, Apple were quite clear when talking to the media that the reason the product is back is because there was massive public demand for the product. They've redesigned it so that they could reduce the price and... There are if you if you go on spreadsheet style way of looking at products, then this is an inferior product because it has fewer uh, drivers, you know, fewer speakers, fewer microphones, fewer tweeters, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually listen to the sound it puts out, the reviewers are all in agreement that it is at least as good, if not better, than the original. It has more sensors, um, it it has better Siri, uh, but actually, those of us who own HomePod Minis, we've had humidity and temperature sensors all along. They just haven't been plumbed into anything. So the new HomePod comes with these new sensors and that got bragged about by Apple. And now we find out that my existing HomePod mini had those sensors too and the latest versions of the operating system have enabled them. So they're now available to me within my Home app. I can see the humidity and temperature of my kitchen, which is where my HomePods are. Um, and also, we are apparently going to have better Siri performance on our existing HomePods because a lot of these new brains are being backported to the older devices. And apparently, we would that includes the ability for the HomePod Siri to talk to Find My, which would be convenient. You know, hey, s lady, where the heck is my phone at the moment? I can't seem to find it. You know, that kind of thing could be useful. So we shall see how that works out. Um, on the whole. A lot of people seem very, very happy to have the big size HomePod back, especially at a price cut. Uh, It does the whole stereo pair thing, but it will not pair with a different model of HomePod, which when you think about how these things work, that makes perfect sense to me. like people are like, oh, it's a disgrace. How would you get two not the same things to pair up together? It's no. A pair is a pair. Because they are really quite a different design, because they have different numbers of everything in there. It is a whole new product, even though the outer casing is awfully familiar looking. Oh, and it does still mark your furniture if you don't put a doily under it, so do that. Right, let us move on to story number five. Apple's Q1 2023 earnings call. Just a reminder that Apple do their earnings a little bit weird. So the first quarter of 2023 is actually the last calendar quarter of 2022, because that way Christmas gets to be in January by Apple's reckoning. As is normally the case, um, the guy, the guy's at Six Colors. Colors—it's only one person at Six Colors whose name eludes me right now because I'm, I'm obviously running out of steam. Anyway, over on Six Colors, there's a link to the usual wonderful charts to put Apple's various results into context. And I always think that's a good way to look at how things are going in terms of the earnings call. So while I vamp here, I'm going to open up that page. But the the real bottom line is that Apple suffered from the fact that many, many factories in China were locked down because of COVID. And that, that really hit Apple. And Tim Cook called it out explicitly. He basically, he said, look, that that hurt us. The other thing I call that explicitly is currency headwinds. So this actually takes a little bit of explaining. So Apple is a US country. No, Apple is a US company. Uh, so they have to report their earnings in US dollars. But the exchange rate between US dollars and other currencies does not say the same. It wobbles about. So if you sell for ease of sake, let's say you sell 100,000 iPhones for so many yuan this year and if you sell 100,000 iPhones for the same amount of yuan next year, that may actually be worth more or less dollars depending on what happened to the exchange rate between the yuan and the US dollar. So even if you sell exactly the same amount of phones, you can make spectacularly more or spectacularly less profit. This year, it was spectacularly less, which is why Apple talked about, um, was it, If you hold the currency constant, so for constant currency, they actually improved their revenues and stuff. And that's what they mean when you hear people talk about constant currency. It's like, well, let's talk about China sales in Chinese yuan instead of in US dollars. So that way the exchange rate doesn't muck things up. And then we can see how the Apple actually did within the country. So, you know, that... Currency rates definitely also mucked with the earnings. COVID mucked with the earnings. And the other thing that obviously mucked with the earnings was the fact that the whole world was in economic confusion for much of 2022 and continuing because of, well, war in Eastern Europe. So lots of headwinds, macroeconomic headwinds, if you use Apple's jargon. And that that did have some odd things. So um, I think the Mac was probably the biggest negative. So iPhone, was it? technically flat actually we should say that for the first time since 2019 apple had a drop in revenue year over year so apple's revenue this year is five percent than apple's revenue last year for this quarter um the vast bulk of apple's revenue is still coming from the iphone and um, the mac revenue dropped quite substantially which i presume is because this time last year there were a lot of very shiny new macs out there just looking at the diagram here um Minus 29% year-over-year Mac revenue change. That's quite noticeable. On the other hand, the iPad had a fantastic fourth quarter. Or first quarter. Ah, fantastic, you know, Christmas. 30% increase year-over-year in iPad revenue. That is, in a you know, there were some nice new iPads released this year, so I guess that probably has something to do with it, which is pretty good. And, Year-over-year iPhone revenue is down 8%, which again is not surprising. Services, highest ever record setting, $20.8 billion in uh, services revenue, which is a 6% increase over last year. Wearables is down 8%. Oopsie. Um, also not so good. But yeah, I'll, you know, on the whole, given the situation, the results were probably fine. Um, if we put it into a little bit more context, so Apple were keen to, to point out some non-financial numbers things in the earnings call. So one of the things they called out is the fact there are now two babillion with a B uh, of its devices in active use, which means a lot of Apple devices get handed down and have a second life as someone else's beloved device. Apple now also have almost a billion paid subscribers. 935 million people are paying Apple for at least one of their various services, which is probably why their services revenue was able to hit an all-time high of 20.8 billion. So in terms of opinion pieces, you know, I just have a link in the Cult of Mac. Five upbeat takeaways from Apple's earnings call. I there are good things to see here. Um, and... The stock market has kind of agreed on that. So there was some initial wobbles, but um, all in all, the, the stock market remains bullish on average. There's a link in the show notes to a breakdown of what the different analysts are saying, but on the whole, they're still actually very positive. Uh, and then for some extra colour, to use Apple's phrase, um, just what the, because Apple don't give us numbers anymore. Right? They only give us revenue. They don't give us unit numbers anymore. So we have to rely on analyst estimates. So all, everything I'm about to say now has a giant big caveat of their estimates. IDC estimate that Mac shipments grew in 2022 as a whole. So not in the quarter, in the year as a whole, because they shrunk in the quarter. But for the year as a whole, Mac shipments actually grew. So the market for computers in general, for, for you know, for PCs, all of PCs went down 16% worldwide. The Mac managed to climb 2.5% for 2022. That's according to IDC. Uh, Canalysts say that global smartphone shipments fell 17% in the 2022 holiday quarter. So that's the calendar quarter for the Christmas holidays compared to the previous year. But the iPhone managed to reclaim the top spot in the holiday quarter. So that's kind of good. You know, the whole thing shrunk, but Apple still managed to become king of the castle. Um... IDC are saying that iPhone Christmas sales were 15% below what they should have been because Apple simply couldn't make enough. Although, actually, no, sorry, that's not fair. Uh, They're saying they're 15% below what they should be because of both production and demand problems. So production issues and weak demand. Sorry, need to be more accurate there. Uh, Counterpoint uh, point out that Apple collect almost all of the profit in worldwide smartphone sales. You know, Apple do not make the most phones, but Apple only play in the premium space. They don't make cheap phones with low margins. So 85% of the profit in the smartphone space goes to Apple, which is why they can continue to be so, so relevant despite making so much, you know, such a small percentage of total devices. And then finally, Apple say that, sorry, not Apple say, IDC say that Apple made almost half of, all of the iPad of the tablets shipped worldwide in Q4 calendar Q4 2022. They're saying that of all of the tablets that shipped around the world in the last calendar quarter of 2022, 49.2% of them went to Apple, which is up a massive 28%, 28.8% year over year. And if you're wondering how many that is, that is 22.5 million tablets. So that is. Really quite impressive. OK, well, that brings us to the end of our five main stories. So let us do some quick stories before we wrap up the show for this month. The World Surf League has declared that the Apple Watch is officially supported equipment. Uh, there is an official app and you can wear your Apple Watch during surfing competitions. which is kind of cool. Uh, Apple are celebrating Black History Month, as they always do. Um, they have released a new watch band, as they have done for some time. They've also released some content, and they're making various donations. I Right now, this second, as I record, I am wearing the Unity Sports Loop, and it is rather abstract in its design, but it is extremely pretty. And being a sports loop, it is, of course, very comfy. So I'm, I'm much happier with this year's Unity band than last year's... Um, Unity regular old sports band, which was a bit plasticky and ick and not all that exciting. So this this year's one is much much nicer than last year's one. So I'm very happy with it. Uh, Apple oh have not always Apple have for many years uh, honored Dr Martin Luther King by having by dedicating their entire homepage basically to a tribute to Dr King with and you know a quote and something from him. But they've gone a little further this year. So yes, they dedicated the homepage to Dr Martin Luther King on uh, you know on Martin Luther King Jr Day. They also gave away one of his books for free, Stride Toward Freedom. So that was kind of nice of them. Um, There's also on Apple TV, there's a curated collection of uh, relevant content. And in related news, the NAACP has given Apple 21 nominations for their NAACP Image Awards, which is impressive, I think. Moving on, then, Apple Support has gained three new languages, which has allowed it to expand into 118 new regions. That's the Apple Support app, which is very nice. Apple is unfortunately raising its non Apple Care battery replacement cost. So, if you do not have Apple Care, it will cost you an extra twenty dollars to replace your battery. So, maybe that just nudges you towards being a little more likely to get Apple Care, maybe. Maybe change the arithmetic for some, but anyway, if you don't have Apple Care and you need a new battery, it will cost more. Now, I think this is great news. So, Apple were very careful when they released their MagSafe to say that um, a MagSafe, whatever, is compatible with the Qi standard, but it does more. So it's like Qi plus plus. Well. Qi2 was announced during um oh that big conference that happens every January. His name I just completely forget now because I'm obviously completely out of steam. Anyway, the, 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 there is a new Qi2 wireless charging standard coming out. And basically, I presume with, well, obviously with Apple's uh, support, uh, Apple have fed pretty much all of MagSafe into that new official standard. So everyone is going to get to play along with the coolness of MagSafe, which is just a much, much better connector. Those magnets are so effective, getting you to have much more efficient charge because it just lines everything up perfectly. So I'm really happy to see that becoming not an Apple thing, but a thing for everyone. So G2 will be effectively MagSafe, which is fantastic. Um, Also kind of fun, um, Apple have released as open source uh, the source code for the Apple Lisa. It's purely for fun, but hey, it's still a really nice thing to do for the history of computer science. And Safari celebrated its 20th birthday this year. Uh, so almost old enough to drink in some US states. And there is a nice article linked in the show notes called A Visual History, just to remind you of how far we've come in those 20 years, because the Safari browser I look at every day is so much nicer and better polished than the their very, very first one twenty years ago today. So it's, it's nice to see Apple's progress of all of that right well that is going to wrap up a rather unusual show um i hope you enjoyed it despite the fact that it was just little old me um i've been your host barbushots oh yeah support the show definitely do that you can go to let's talk.ie where you'll find some buttons to support the show i want to send a big thank you to everyone who ever has supported the show your help is what makes this show possible, right? There are no advertisers, there are no sponsors, and I. One of my guiding principles when setting, I had two things I wanted to achieve with this show when I started at, a hundred and twelve, well, hundred and thirteen ish, shows ago. I wanted to make sure there was an Apple Podcast continuing the legacy of the International Mac Podcast, giving a non-US centric view of Apple news. So There's too much Apple coverage is too US centric. I wanted to make sure that there continued to be an international voice and having an Irish accent helped. And the other thing I wanted to, to do is to make podcasts where there was no question whatsoever that anyone was influencing the opinions on the show apart from the people on the show by not having I just, I do not like ads as a model. I want you to know that what you hear on this show is completely unfiltered by commercial concerns. It's filtered by the fact that I don't like, you know, I know lots of people don't like being swore at. I know that I, you know, it's filtered by decency. It's filtered by me trying to, to be a nice guy and to contribute constructively as opposed to just saying any old thing that comes off the top of my head but is not filtered by commercial concern, which is important. Because I'll let you in on a little secret. I live in Ireland. I don't say fudge. I say another word that has four letters instead a lot of the time in real life, but I don't do that on the show. Anyway, enough of me blathering on. Let's talk.ie is where you will find detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that inform my thinking on January's Apple News. A lot of links in there. Took me a long time to write these show notes today. Um... I've been your host, Bart Bouchard, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey David, this week on Tech Fan, let's talk about Apple. I uh, don't like it. Yeah, okay. Uh Windows? We could talk about Windows. Boring. Um yeah, you know there's there's a lot of cool things in 3D printing going on. We could we could talk really? about cool. I uh, don't think so. I, I, what about like uh, the Raspberry Pi? We've we've discussed that in the past. It's Tech Fan. No. Uh, you're you're just being difficult. Now, what do you want to talk about this week on Tech Fan? How about we talk about Apple and then a little bit about Microsoft and then the Raspberry Pi? Newsock.